Hello and welcome back to the final edition of the Thomas Fitch Sports Show Texas Football Recap, recapping Texas's 27-23 loss over Texas Tech. We'll also be talking some college football playoff and getting some questions from the fans of the show. I'm Thomas Fitch and this is the Thomas Fitch Sports Show. All right, so let us start off with some takeaways from the game. So number one takeaway is that we really struggled to put the game away. You, you know, you look at halftime, you got a good lead, 17-10, you start with the ball, and uh, and it was just, it, it really felt like the whole game Texas was dominating, and I think largely Texas had the lead, I think it helped the first score on the first drive of the game, um, it really felt like, oh, okay, this offense is revamped. Clearly shows that Connor Williams being back has an impact. But then there was just a big stalemate with the offense. We ended up only scoring three points in the second half, and it was a field goal in the fourth quarter. And and it was largely the offense's fault. Um, we'll get more into this uh, in a second. Um, but I think the defense was at fault too. But largely, um, as we'll talk about, I think Tim Beck, um, there's some questions about him. The O-line struggled. And so we're going to go over that. But, you know, it was a, a really disappointing way to finish off the season, especially when you look at, you went, you know, you bring in a new coach. Your goal is, okay, so you haven't made a bowl game in two years. So A, your goal is to make a bowl game. And B, your goal is, is to improve. And while 6-6 six and six is improving on Strong's last two seasons, it's not the improvement we were looking for. And it is crazy just to think how much of an impact one game um, would have going 7-5 and five versus 6-6, six and six, just how that looks on the record, how that looks for recruits, um, and just momentum going into next year. So offensively, you know, my question is, what is Tim Beck doing? And this is... Everybody, you know, you see on Twitter was talking about this. It was third and two, about three, a little over three minutes left. Texas is driving around the Tech 40-yard line. And uh, third and two, Tech has one timeout left to R3. And instead of running the ball and just trying to run down the clock, Tim Beck dials up a throw. And Ellinger, he goes under pressure, throws an interception. Tech guy runs it down to about the 20 or so. And Tech scores and goes on to win. Uh, Ellinger actually threw an interception on the drive because there was still a little bit of time left. Um, so on the potential game-winning drive, he throws an interception. But it wasn't just this play. You look at how many times that that the team gets to the goal line and doesn't score. You look at after the, the score in the, the first quarter, um, which was a great drive, you have the ball on the one, and what happens? Joshua Orland, 20-yard field goal. Again, ball on the one, Joshua Rowland, 19-yard field goal. This was That was to end the half. And and so when you look at that, you look at did Ellinger, because I heard a lot of people saying Ellinger lost the game. He didn't lose the game for us. It was it was the play calling. It was the failure of the, of the offensive line to block well. But regardless, when you get to the one, the, and, and this is something that we've struggled when, with all years. We don't have a a short yardage package, which which is just embarrassing. And you you cannot have a good team when you can't convert 
when you get second and one and then third and one and then you're having to punt. That's just something that's unacceptable. And especially on the goal line, we score those those twice and we win this game easily. And that's not even accounting for other other poor play calling and other mistakes in the second half. So that and and I think you I think a lot of that rests on Tim Beck, but some of it does rest on the players and I was talking with uh, my friend Reed Seckler about this after the game, and what Herman said in his press conference was he, he basically just blamed the players for not being able to score on when they were on the goal line. And partially he's right. Partially he is on, it, it is on the players. They are the ones who are playing. But a lot of that comes on the coaches, and I'm not just talking about play calling. I'm talking about getting the players ready to go. And so it, I think it's a split between between Beck and between Herman. And this is the first time I've called out Herman on the show, but the coaches are the ones, it's their job to get the players ready to play. I I get that we've had injuries on the offensive line, but we've known this all season. There is no way all it's not like we're having to play like walk-ons. These might not be the best players on the team, but I assure you these are better offensive linemen than a ton of non-Power 5 teams, or even some Power 5 teams, the players are better than some of their linemen, at least as far as um, you know what they were ranked coming out of high school. And to not be able to develop those guys over a whole season, I get that you're not going to have an Alabama-style offensive line with these players, but there has to be some sort of development with these guys. And some of that falls on Herman, uh, a lot of that falls on Beck. But all in all, it all comes back to the coach. And so ultimately, the blame has to fall onto Tom Herman. So that, that was my disappointment there. The other thing, you know, Ellinger struggled. And he really, after, after the first drive, he really did look like a true freshman. He really did. And part of that, it's you know, he is a true freshman and he's going to make mistakes. And unfortunately he's made a bunch of big mistakes at the end of the games. Do I think that that means that he'll do that in the future? Not necessarily. The problem with him is his arm needs to be developed. And this is one place where uh, Shane Bouchel is better than Ellinger. Shane can throw. Shane may not be able to see over the line to throw sometimes, but he is a good passer. And Ellinger does not have that, and I think unless unless Herman can develop that over the offseason, I think Ellinger is going to struggle to have a career unless there can we can get a much better developed offensive line and a receiving core that knows how to um, separate from the defensive backs. But as of right now, when the the receivers are locked up every time and um, he's having five defenders in his face, he's not going to be able to do anything. So my, my one worry is we have a talented prospect, four-star Cameron Rising from Oklahoma coming in next year. And I'm sure he'll be talented, but I don't want to see us have to start three true freshmen every year, you know, year after year after year. I'm tired of that. And I think a lot of that is a failure of the Texas coaches to develop quarterbacks 
or just a failure to recruit an actual good quarterback. And that is some, that's a struggle we've had since Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is the last good recruit we had. Um, Garrett Gilbert was a flop. David Ash, he, he was a flop in that he couldn't stay healthy. And so it was hard to, he might've been a good quarterback, but he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Tyrone Swoops did nothing. Hurd did nothing. Those guys finished off their careers, not really even playing at quarterback. Um, Bouchelle has been largely a bust and we'll see what happens to Ellinger, but it is up to Tom Herman and Tim Beck, especially though Tom Herman to go back to his Ohio state days as an offensive coordinator where he developed you know, he was he was the offensive coordinator when they won the national championship in 2014 with Cardell Jones, who was a third-string quarterback. So him being able to do that as a third-stringer shows that Herman knows and is a quarterback whisperer, but he's going to have to do that over the offseason. And that is the only thing at this point that would make me say, you know, there's a slight reason for Tim Beck to not get fired. I think largely, I, at this point, I'm, I'm ready. I, you know, I don't care about continuity. I'm ready for him to be out of here. But the one benefit of him staying is it gives Ellinger a chance to not have to learn a new system, not have to learn a new playbook, but to actually have a whole semester where he can work with Herman and Beck and the quarterback coaches to develop his arm and feel more comfortable in the pocket. Um, but... Largely, I, I just want Tim Beck to be gone. Um, and we'll talk about coaching in all aspects, not just at Texas, in a little bit with some of those questions. Anyways, let's move on the defense, um, which, you know, give up 27 points to Tech, but um, some of those were off of good field position they got from um, turnovers. So the defense doesn't worry me. As much. I mean, it was it was definitely it wasn't Oklahoma State. It definitely wasn't, but it was definitely um, still a better defense than we saw last year. And one way that we hurt was you're at this point you're without two of your four best players. And I haven't mentioned this in the past shows, but um, not only is Holton Hill out, who's your best corner and your best tackler, but you're also without PJ Locke, who uh, I would still say Deshaun Elliott is, is a better safety even though he had a he didn't have his best game. But P.J. Locke is not only a good safety um, and a good defender, but he's also a good leader on the team. He's out due to injury. Um, Holton Hill is out due to a uh, failed drug test. But, you know, it clearly showed because um, Tech had over 300 yards passing, um, whereas they only had about 60 yards rushing. So clearly that is where we were hurting. We saw that in the, the past couple weeks as we've really gotten killed over the, in the air since um, Holton Hill's suspension. Um, the other thing is uh, you've got to look at, at next year because this is definitely, this is definitely an, an improved defense um, from what uh, we had last year with Charlie Strong. But the question is, can you keep some of the guys and uh, obviously the top two, Nashon Hughes, you're losing to graduation. Malik Jefferson, it'll be interesting to see if he goes in the draft. I'm seeing him slowly creep up. Uh, I saw today in uh, Matt Miller's draft, uh, whatever, po- you know, prediction, he was going 29th. So he's a first-rounder. The big question is, what will Holton Hill do? Because I think his, his suspension might actually be beneficial in the future, as I've seen that he is He's completely dropped off the radar. He was at one point up to about 
the probably 16th or 17th pick, and now he's not even in the the first round. And uh, Matt Miller said that him getting suspended, you know, really does raise some concerns, raise some red flags among teams. So there is a chance that he sticks around um, because of the suspension. But you also have to look at the recruiting class. We have uh, two of the top safeties in the nation, um, just a whole host of defensive recruits, which is great, um, just to continue to build up the defense. The hard thing is the number one area we need to improve is the offensive line. And while we'll get some guys back, Connor Williams isn't going to stay. More than likely, he's a, he's a projected top six pick. Um, you look at um, at the other guys. I just you just look at the O line this year, and even we've gotten some guys back, but clearly that is where the most development needs to come, and that is where we are really lacking as far as recruits. And I I think I don't know if this loss will lose any recruits that we already have committed, but I don't think it'll help us get some of the the five-star linemen that we've been looking at. I think it'll be really hard unless you can fire Tim Beck and maybe get a new offensive coordinator from another school they were looking at. And speaking of losing coordinators, if Todd Orlando was to leave to go to somewhere else, that could really hurt the the defensive recruiting because a lot of the guys are committed to him. And so him leaving and taking another job could hurt. But if he was smart, well, actually, I'll, I'll save uh, this for later because this was a question. But I think the smart thing for him to do was, is to stay. Um, but anyways, you know, you, you really do have to think about how much this loss affects recruiting, um, just overall momentum of the team. You finish on a three-game winning streak with Kansas, which is a game you should have won. But then you go on the road in Morgantown, and you and you fairly handily beat West Virginia. And then you finish off with a win against Tech. Now you're won three in a row, going into a bowl game. You're going to get in a decent bowl game. Recruits are going to see that. They're seeing these guys are playing. These guys, even though it's seven wins, they're improving. They had a lot of close calls. And all of a sudden, there's momentum. But if anything with this Tech game does is it makes our close calls with Oak with OU with Oklahoma State with USC look more like flukes and and less like we had a chance to win those games and so it just it makes the whole season look worse and it, it is really incredible what one loss can do anyways we're running out of time on this first uh, part we will be right back with part two <laughs> 